Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Thank you very much. Thank you, Judy, for asking me to come to this meeting today and asking me to be of service. And um, so I was sitting here and, uh, you know, asking God to speak through me. And so um, hopefully that'll happen. And remember, this is just my story. And uh, so what a, a I asked Judy if there was a topic and she said, well, you know, just tell what it was like, what happened, what it was like and what it's like now. So um, what it was like is um, I grew up in a family of women who, uh, well, who, they were the tri- they were like a triangle and i was in the middle um, <clears throat> i'm an only child and the women were were my mother and my two grandmothers and uh, i grew up with all of them controlling my food and none of them thinking that the other ones were doing right by it so with my mother's mother and we lived in a duplex next door to her and I was young like uh five something like that and uh so she thought my mother wasn't giving me enough uh treats so she would always buy you know the crinkly things from hostess and um and so then I would eat them be eating them and then my mother would be coming up the street and she would say hide that Bonnie hide that and so I learned how to hide food uh, right there from that very early age. And, um, and then my other grandmother, my father's mother, she was a professional cook. And so she did not think that either my grandmother or my mother, and I said we lived in a duplex, knew how to cook for somebody like me who was a normal sized child, but because My mother was five foot one and thought she weighed a 90 pounds. She was too fat. And her mother was the same size. And my other grandmother, which I've learned was a laxative bulimic, uh, you know, chewing X-lax her whole life to, you know, like maintain her weight. So anyway, um, she used to um, cook things for me that were low calorie, low fat, even though I was like five or seven years old. And she continued to do that. And they all continued to do that. So then my mother, you know, felt like, well, it just needed to be protein, fruits and vegetables, but it was frozen food because frozen food had come in. The vegetables were terrible, Um, you know, and then um, lots of carbs, like her favorite dish was, uh, you know, lasagna and she would make that and macaroni and cheese and tuna noodle casserole and all of those kinds of things. And um, so by the time I was uh, uh, like a preteen and we moved away from her family and my dad's family because my mother couldn't stand being around them, um, 
she said. And, um, and so then I started uh, counting calories and I became, that's when I became a restrictor. And um, I was between 11 and 15, somewhere in there. Um, I would either be binging. And one time uh, my dad was a compulsive eater and an alcoholic and lots of other things. And, um, and so my mother put a, uh, a padlock. She had a hole drilled on our freezer so my dad couldn't get into it. Um, and because he would get in and he would saw, you know, like cakes and things like that and eat them frozen. That's how much of a compulsive eater he was. And, um, and so I learned to hide food from him as well. You know, like I'd buy something when I was doing my binging and I'd put it in a plastic a paper bag in the refrigerator and I would say chicken fat on it so that he wouldn't open it up. So hiding food and restricting food and eating like 600, 500 calories a day when I was a teenager growing up and then binging my brains out, um, that just continued on, you know? So um, that's what it was like growing up. So what I grew up feeling like, well, I was never enough. You know, I wasn't enough for this person. I wasn't enough for that person. I wasn't enough for the other person. Something always was wrong with me, you know? So I grew up never feeling like I was good enough. Um, and with my parents, uh, learning how to be like a people pleaser. Uh, I always thought that, uh, you know, if I was the good girl and, you know, like just did everything right, well, then they would not be, you know, having their knock down, drag out fights. And, um, you know, my dad wouldn't be drinking. And, you know, my mother, which I re realized just a few years ago, um, they both came from alcoholic families. They both were alcoholics growing up. I always thought my dad was the alcoholic and my mom just was drinking all the time, but she didn't exhibit the same kind of alcoholic behaviors that he did. Anyway, chaotic. And so um, a metaphor for that, which was absolutely the truth. My dad was always hot. So he'd always turn the thermostat down to 60. My mom was always cold. She'd turn it up to 80. When I could reach it, I'd put it at 70. And I could never understand why they didn't leave it at 70. You know, so um, that that's what it was like. Then when I got to be an adult, I was still doing the restricting and the, you know, the compulsive eating. And uh, where I worked, um, I worked as a teacher for over 25 years and in all grade levels. And um, so I, uh, of course, married an alcoholic. He was a dry drunk. And, you know, so I was always trying to, you know, keep, I thought, I still thought if I made everything okay, then everything would be okay. But of course, nothing was ever okay. Um, and um, the kids in the class would get deli sandwiches and have these really good meals. And, 
you know, they wouldn't eat them. That's my bird clock. People who know me from meetings know that. So it's eight o'clock, nine o'clock. Anyway, so um, I thought, okay, well, let's put the food in a bin. And then if kids who don't have enough food, you know, will um, have food to eat. But of course, it was for me. Because before that, I was digging their sandwiches out of the garbage, you know, and uh, after they left. And uh, so digging things out of the garbage wasn't new to me when I, you know, got to be uh, in, in the classroom. But then I thought, okay, well, let's just put them in a bin. And then that way people could take them as they go out like as snacks. But of course, they were all for me. So I ate them. Um, but anyway, it was at that time. And um, there was this woman who was quite obese. And uh, she was not that I wasn't getting there, believe me. And, um, and she mentioned one time when we were in the staff room eating that she had tried Overeaters Anonymous, but it just didn't work for her. And that was the first time I'd ever heard about it. Of course, I'd heard of Alcoholics Anonymous because my dad had been in and out of that. And then he felt it didn't work for him either. Um, but it wasn't until quite a few years later and I was, my scale went up to like um, 250 or something like that. I can't remember, 235. Anyway, I got up to that point and then I got, you know, and then I know I gained more weight after that, after my scale you know, uh, didn't go up anymore. And I got incredibly, I got the gift of desperation. Like my higher power was working in my life and brought me to the first meeting that I went to. And that's been over uh, 25 years ago, a little bit more, a couple months more. And, um, and so at the first meeting I was at, it was a big meeting. I live in Marin. Uh, here in Marin. Ten minutes. Thank you, Mark. And um, and um, I was in the back of the room of this big meeting, and people started talking about God. Well, I had rejected the God that I grew up with um, quite a while ago. I wasn't an atheist, but I was definitely an agnostic. And I thought, oh, these this is a cult, you know, this is, you know, but I was too embarrassed to leave. So again, my higher power, you know, like just kept me in the seat. And so I, my, my knuckles, you know, I probably had, you know, thumb fingerprints in my fingers, but then somebody stood up and, uh, and she said, um, one other person, you know, the fellowship is a power greater than myself. The people in these rooms, I know, I'm not sure what a higher power is or what God is, but, you know, and I thought, oh, okay. Well, I can, I can go for that, you know, I, I can, I can go for that. So I stayed and, um, and I've been here ever since. And um, so I didn't know what abstinence meant other than giving up something. 
And um, so my first abstinence was in the rooms was um, uh, no chocolate because I knew that it wasn't really a nutritional thing. And, um, you know, and I could probably do without it. What I didn't know was, is that nobody in my family liked chocolate. It was just me. I was eating it all, whatever it was. And that came as a realization, like, what? You know, like, it was just like, it was a first awakening, you know, in me. And uh, <clears throat> so with the grace of a power greater than myself, I haven't had that for over 25 years. Although um, I will say that, you know, being a teacher, people give you a lot of chocolate, you know? So um, at first I was giving it to other people and then I had enough recovery, like, well, you know, why am I doing that? So I just started putting it in the trash. And also they would give you a lot of chocolate chip cookies. And so when I was in my first abstinence, I'd stand over there and I'd pick out the chocolate chips and put them in the trash and then I'd eat the rest of the cookies. So imperfect, but nonetheless. And, um, you know, so then, you know, I heard about um, behaviors and I thought, okay, you know, what are some behaviors? Well, you know, I was um, eating a full meal while I was cooking and then I'd sit down and eat. So no, no eating while I was cooking. Uh, I almost got into a couple of car accidents, you know, eating in the car, something dropping on me, bending down, looking up and going, oh my God, I almost hit that bicycler, you know. Um, or fishing through a bag, trying to get out the whatever it was, you know, that I had just got at the store. Um, so no eating in the car, no eating while I'm cooking uh, were a couple of them. And then um, other ones, I knew that I had white lies. So I gave up lying. And now I don't lie because I don't wanna make the amends you know, it's much easier to be honest than it is to make an amends. And um, so anyway, little by little, the uh, tele the program, you know, just, it's a program of action. So it just sort of seeped in and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And, um, and so um, what it's like now, <clears throat> It is, this program absolutely saved my life. And um, because my husband used to say to me, he, my ex-husband, he used to say to me, um, I don't know why you gain weight, you know, like you, minute, you, know, yeah. you, you don't, thank you, Mark. You don't eat, you don't eat that much. Well, that's because I was still hiding eating. But now I don't, you know, like I don't hide the fact that I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I'm a restrictor. I'm now a hundred pounder uh, in the program. And um, so some of the things, you know, that uh, I now know is, is that compulsive overeating is a killing disease and that it is a disease. Uh, it took me a really long time to actually 
um, come to that. And it was my higher power kicking me into the hospital for a couple of days when I continued to eat things that I knew were making me sick. And, um, and I had such terrible indigestion that nothing could, um, could sway it. And so then I'm laying in the hospital bed for two days and, um, and I finally said, okay, God, this is a disease. I'll give up, blah, 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 you know? And I did. And then the weight just fell off that I was holding on to. Um, I've also found that uh, this program um, gives me instructions for dealing with uh, challenges uh, in my life, both emotional and uh, physical and uh, working the 12 steps. And I continue to work the steps um, and I work them many, I work them pretty much every year. Sometimes it goes over, like it takes me a couple of, a year and a half to get through them, um, you know, but I'm always working the steps and that's where the uh, spiritual solution is, uh, is in the steps. And I love how the tools of the program I've heard recently in the last year are the handrails, you know, that help us work up this work with the steps. Um, I have a, a short prayer that I have written on a card because I can't always remember it, but uh, a sponsee told me, told me it, God, take my will in my life. Guide me in my recovery. Show me how to live. And um, so today I trust in a power greater than myself. And um, I went through a whole period of, you know, looking in the big book for the sunshine of the spirit and the creative spirit of the universe and looking for all of these different, uh, you know, like uh, the God of my understanding. Um, you know, that it's spiritual progress, not perfection. What did all of that mean? I went through this whole um, period of that. And what I realized is, is that now I can trust my intuition because uh, in the big book, when one phrase, it puts friend in a capital F, like speaking of a power greater than God as a friend. And I realized, oh, I have a friend. I have a soulmate. And so that's the power, you know, so that I trust that intuitive thought. Um, and then, uh, you know, like at the end of how it works, it says A, B, and C. And so, you know, trust in a power greater than myself, one, two, clear away the wreckage of my past, and three, be of service to others. And so, um, you know, so then on page 60 of the big book, it says, A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. Hello, uh, I'm a compulsive eater and my life becomes unmanageable. Two, that probably no human power could relieve our alcoholism. Yeah, two, you know, came to believe in a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity. And three, that God could and would if he were sought.
And that's what I look at every day. And I have another card that I give myself for my sponsees. I have six sponsees and a sponsor. Time limit, boundaries, breathe and let go and let God speak through me. So I have these little reminders, you know, because I forget, you know, I can forget that I'm a compulsive eater. And so now I do believe I need to talk less and listen more and even allow silence in the air. That's another one. Hi. And uh, thank you. And I'm looking forward to hear from all of you. Thank you, Judy, again, for asking me uh, to be of service.